Welcome to Don't Feed the Trolls, a podcast where we yak without the smack in rap without the slap. That intro is brought to you by our listener, Phil Avance, or Avance, I don't know how to say it, who sent uh, it to us in an email at don'temailthetrolls at gmail.com. You too can connect with us at trollspodcast.com or by sending us an email. We actually do love hearing your comments and ideas on the show. Heck yeah. We Heck love yes. them. Heck we got yeah. lots to talk about on the top of this hour. Uh, we got some new patrons this week, and those people support the show directly. Huge thanks to Kyla Dove, Jordan Cooper, Eddie Wicker, Dustin McClanahan. Good job on those names. They're getting a little easier to read. <laughs> also, uh, Matt and I have been talking about uh, possibly incorporating a blog onto our website, and we were talking, uh, we need a new website that kind of uh, incorporates the future of Don't Feed the Trolls, which we're going to do some writing, some podcasting, some videos, all kinds of fun stuff to help you not feed the trolls. So if you're a, po- uh, a website guy, hit us up at don't email the trolls at gmail.com. Let us know if you want to help us make a website. But uh, thanks to the patrons for going over to our Patreon <laughs> uh, and pledging uh, to help support this podcast. Even a dollar a month can keep this podcast going, yes. which uh, I made Matt edit the last podcast. And he goes, man, this takes a long time, Nate. Yeah, it literally took me four <laughs> hours <laughs> to try to trim it down because it was such a long interview. And uh, we love doing it. Don't get us wrong. But it definitely does take some time. So if you can, uh, you know, if everyone chips in a little bit, we I think you want to do two episodes a week at some point, Matt. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, if we can pull it off. But, uh, you know, it's, it's hard enough to get one out as, as we've been experiencing. So we, we also put a bunch of exclusive bonus content and interviews you can listen to on our Patreon as a patron. And once again, just thank you everyone for supporting even, you know, a dollar a month, five bucks a month, whatever you want. You get access to the cool stuff and you become part of our team, our family. And we really yeah. appreciate that. We do. And it'll keep us going. And um, if you want more content, hey. If everyone chips in, we might be able to double our content. That would be double awesome. Double our content but, is king. Yes. You just got back from tour. I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, I did. Uh, I had a rough time singing those songs I wrote when I was 19. Um, we did a 10-year uh, anniversary tour of Albatross down the West Coast with my band, The Classic Crime. We've also got a Kickstarter going for a new album. Super, super busy, but slowly chipping away at, at stuff. What's to, your favorite show? Seattle by far was uh, sold out six six hundred fifty cap at Numos. That's some band guy lingo. <laughs> yeah, six hundred fifty cap got like ninety twenty on the back end. Somebody up in there <laughs> skipping ninety twenty. Yeah, they cut it out of a, a one ten. It was weird. We just bonused. <laughs> we bonused up. Yeah, no, it was it was a ton of fun, and um, we recorded a bunch of stuff. So um, if if anybody missed out, we're gonna try to put out a live album of the tour and. Really? At some, at some point, yeah. So we're we're kind of getting all a lot of irons in the fire with the whole thing, and we're we're writing and making a new record soon. So uh, it's a bunch of stuff that we're slaying trolls to get done. Crazy Nate, Codgers. Tell me about what Sherwood's up to right now, Nate. Your band. So Sherwood yesterday launched the pre-order for our new record. Some things never leave you, and the music of Sherwood should never leave us. <laughs> should always stay. Uh, no, it's been cool. I've been slipping in little Sherwood songs on the podcast episodes and we get emails like, hey, I, I can't find this song a little bit better. Who sings that song? I'm like, <laughs> like I do, you chone. <laughs> I... uh, 
But yeah, no, it's finally up. You get that song and another song called The Unknown, and we released a music video for the song Bottle It Up. Uh, the vinyl looks sweet. It does look sweet. I love custom colored vinyl. It just looks so good. And Hang my buddy it on Casey, your wall, even if you don't have a turntable. It just looks yeah, no, it makes me want to like listen to it on vinyl. Where can um, people uh, pick up the record, watch the music video, see the vinyl? Sherwoodmusic.net. You can get all the good stuff on the pre-order. And like Matt, Sherwood's going on tour, and I'm going to go lose my voice uh, in July. <laughs> You, uh, a bunch you sing of redheaded guys, Hanson. What? You sing too gentle. Well, your, you your know. voice is like yogurt. There's no hard edge to it. Is it punk rock yogurt? Like <laughs> yeah. non-pasteurized? Yeah. It's homemade, unpasteurized yogurt. All right, That's sweet. Then I'm, I'm in. That's all. <laughs> that's all I got. But yeah, you could get a ticket to a show. Uh, Matt and I are trying to, you know, bribe the, all the old guys to come out to the shows and hang with us one last. Or two last times. However, we longer we can do this without falling over on stage or breaking a leg. <laughs> but Sherwood.AptonTV.com, you can get a ticket to our, our upcoming tour with uh, band Fialta and Tyson Mutenbacher, who's been on the BC podcast. Motzenbacher. Motzenbacher. Yeah, it's Tyson Motzenbacher. Motzenbacher. And, and your good buddies. I've never heard it said. And your good buddies, uh, you know, original Sherwood members. Who are in Fialto, which is a really cool band too. So that that'll, that'll be a fun show. Nate, talk about talk about what's going on in your life right now. You moved. You moved out to a farm. Yeah. Your dude. internet is subpar. I have one megabyte a second. So, <laughs> like, don't be the trolls is barely hanging on to, like, old wispy wires from, like, 1920. So uh, that's how this is coming to you. How's everything uh, going with getting the house set up and such? They always say this part of your life is the craziest, you know. So two two boys under just over two. So we had two under two for a second there. But uh, two baby boys, <laughs> woods a farm. You know, I was just talking to my buddy the other day who I actually kind of want to bring on the podcast. He's the punk rock of farmers. Really? Uh, yeah. And you're emulating him? Well, he like does everything the way he wants to do. He doesn't get any of the codes or any – he doesn't play by any of the rules. Like like if you're a beekeeper, you're supposed to get like some bee license to sell honey and he just calls it hair cream and sells it to people. He says <laughs> – F the man, I'm going to sell my honey. I don't give a shit what you think. So we That's need to awesome. bring him on the show because he's so – he's. I always talk to him for hours. He's great. He goes back to the history and learns how to do everything. So he's going to try to teach me how to kind of farm punk rock myself. So That's so sweet. I want my own bees, chickens. Like he was telling me there's this bird called the guinea that will eat snakes because there's snakes out here. Wow. And they hunt in packs like raptors. What? So I was like, hey, how do I get rid of all these uh, rattlesnakes that are – potentially going to bite my kid he said get a, get get these guineas man these these so he has like a natural answer to every problem in the ecosystem nice. it's pretty cool nice it's that punk rock fun punk. man it's a lot of like troubleshooting and getting some inside info and kind of DIYing. that's right up it's, your alley i think it's he's the diy farmer and <laughs> we've got to bring him on he's really rad oh, but I, you know ryan rado i do know rado yeah that's crazy rado lives on his farm he's got like he'd moved down there and it's funny because Billy Power called me this week and we were talking about that. He was talking about Ryan Rado. I'm like, that's the guy I buy milk from, dude. It, it, <laughs> that's where he lives. 
So I'm going down there this week, and I'm getting bees from this 90-year-old guy who's going to sell me this hybrid of uh, wild bees and honeybees. What is this like punk rock movement? Everyone, all, all the all the old punkers are moving out to farms and like naturally farming the land. Like it used to be, you know, used to be this the gutters in the city. That's where the punk slept. I blame Netflix, man. <laughs> you yeah. watch like three documentaries and you're like, oh shit, we got to get out of the city. You know, that's like awesome. Netflix. Everyone who had eight bucks a month learned way too much about the way the world works so well speaking of punk rock hustle today we're going to talk yeah. about how to make it in the music industry nate you and i have a bit of insight Dude, that was with a that. great transition uh, don't you, you don't you just love my new my new skills it's like so it paid you to, to, <laughs> to know what you were talking about it's like I've, I've it's like i've almost done this 20 times now uh yeah no we're getting get better, better. Think, hoping hopefully. to get better yeah uh, we're going to bring on a mutual friend of ours, Ryan Seaman, who is a drummer for dozens of bands over the years, but most notably and currently the band Falling in Reverse. Ryan will be teaching uh, music industry-related workshops with the Entertainment Institute on Warped Tour this summer. Nate, you and I are both very familiar with Warped Tour. It's a oh, crazy yeah. tour. And now they're doing workshops for people to take and understand the music industry and the changing landscape, how to behave, ethics, mentality, stuff like that. Uh, so that'd be really interesting to get get him on. I figured he would have some insight in the topic of making it in the music business. Let's bring on Ryan. Maybe he can share some insight. So let's bring him on. Welcome, Ryan Seaman, to the podcast. What's up? Hey. hey. Dude, what's up, Matt? How you doing, man? Man, it's been a while since I've seen you, brother. Yeah, you're you're not kidding. I you know I actually can't remember the last time we <laughs> It might have been when you came through on tour. Um I think you guys played Soto. That yes. might have been it. Or no, you were there when the used played. Yes, I was there. Just How long totally ago was that? randomly and I ran into you in the bar. I was like, what is Brian Seaman doing here? <laughs> uh Dude, I'm telling you, Matt, because I, I know what this I know what this is about today, but I just want to tell you something like because because of your band. I still am in contact with one of like my best friends in the whole world, you Who's know, that? uh, deeds. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> and that was the whole reason why I was there. I was like, I, I had like a connecting flight and like, I had like a long layover. Yeah. So I decided to go to a show. Yeah. That God, I can't believe for, that, for the people listening, uh, deeds, we called them. Ryan Dieters was, um, our guitar tech and kind of, I mean, he did everything. We abused the crap out of him back in the day. <laughs> I mean, he would come, he would fly out to tours and just like hang out and we wouldn't even pay him because we had no money, but he was such a good dude. Like he just wanted to tour and he wanted to work and he had so much hustle and he was a troubleshooter and he had, he's always coming up with these inventions to like fix our, our set <laughs> and like make things better. And he had this like insane tech tech box with like all these drawers and all these tools and, uh, man, uh, deeds is just good good people yeah so deeds, now. deeds is like the man uh he's he's still living in seattle and, yeah he uh, works for the he works for um alaska i think or horizon airline yeah it's yeah. it's like it's like one and the same but yeah i yeah. mean like deeds is one of those people he he even came out with like my old band after because of because of you guys like he had found out when we were like going to uh he found out we were going to the uk right afterwards and then he was like hey i can come out with you guys and we were like well i don't know if we could like afford a ticket because i mean back then dude like we could yeah. 
none of us could afford anything. Yeah, and we but, were like, he, I don't, but he flies for free, so it's like super convenient. Right. <laughs> so we were like, dude, I don't know, like how we. He's like, dude, well, I can get the plane ticket, and we were like, all right, let's. let's <laughs> and then we had, and then like let the debauchery begin in uh in the UK. I'm it was, so like, all glad you guys there. are are still buddies, man. It's crazy, like you know, we've been at this. Like I was talking to you just before this about how we've known each other for 10 years now. I mean, yes, essentially. And I met you, I think the first time I met you, I think you were uh, playing drums for a band called I am ghost. That is correct. I I actually remember the first time I met you guys, like the very, very first time. When was that? We were okay. So we were doing a headlining tour with uh, the band Vox. Oh yeah. Vox. Yeah. And then, and then for some reason, like I saw that, like on the, uh, the launch pads website, it was like uh, scary kids, scaring kids and you guys. Right. Yeah. And I didn't see any more bands listed. And so like I called, uh, like our agent at the time, I was like, Hey, like, could you get us on this show? Because it's like right in the middle of our tour, the, the routing would be perfect. And then we saw you guys play and then we had like a Roman candle uh, oh, <laughs> war yeah. in, the, in the back of the venue. That was the first time I ever met you guys. And yeah. like months <laughs> after that, like our agents made you guys and us and like a static lullaby yeah. on the road together. Was that in was just... Albuquerque at the launch pad? Yep. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> it was behind. Yeah. We were and, like, yeah, we were touring with uh, Scary Kids and we would always stop at those like fireworks places on the reservations and we would get bottle rockets and Roman candles and we would shoot them at each other. Sometimes- on the freeway. I think that's because everyone saw that Blink-182 video where they did that. And that's what you do. Is you shoot Roman candles at somebody. You don't shoot them. What else are you going to shoot I them? wouldn't do it now, man. I got kids. Well, yeah. It was just really funny, though, because like, all the bands that night like got along really well. Just you know, I don't even think all of us even knew each other that well. And then we were just like, well. And it was like a one-off show for, for us and for Classic Crime and, right. and Scary Kids. Just like the two tours combined, you know? And like... I think at the end of the night, we were just in the back and we're like, well, this seems like a good idea. Yeah. And then we like lined up in a straight line and walked directly towards each other. (laughs) It was like, yeah, it was like revolution era, American revolution era, like line up with like your, and light your, light your candle and just try to shoot people. Dude, I don't like, if I could go back, like, I mean, that was easily now like 10 years ago almost. But like, if I could go back in time, I I don't think I would have done that again. No. I mean, (laughs) I have a great story. So we took a seat out of our van, and there was those little hole. There was four holes in the bottom of the van, right? Yeah, j- just big enough to drop one of those mini bottle rockets through. <laughs> so oh no! I-, I would light them while we were driving through downtown cities and just slip them through the hole, and then <laughs> we would drive. Three cars would pass, and they would just shoot out from under some car behind us. <laughs> God, <laughs> you're so lucky it didn't like hit some oil. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the undercarriage of your van and like blow you guys no, up. No, it's just a little. It's like a. It's like it just goes, boom, and it pops. <laughs> we're bad people for sharing this this information. Yes, right. Sir. So I met you. You were playing with I Am Ghost, and yeah. then after that, you were playing with. Was it the bigger lights right away? Uh no. It, you know what? I kind of had a nervous breakdown at the end of uh, the whole I Am Ghost thing, and right. I decided that I didn't want to be in another band for a long time. So yeah. instead. So instead, after that, I decided to just, like, uh, play for people and be a hired musician for, like, an entire, you know, year and a half or whatever it was. Yeah. And then I went to the bigger lights after that. I think that's where I met you, Ryan. Yeah, I met you, um, God, I'm trying, I met you in, like, Salt Lake City, I think. Yeah, you have a, you you probably have a lot of these stories. Where did you meet Ryan Seaman? Yeah, it was Salt Lake. I think we were doing, like, our last tour, and you were out in the alleyway and we talked a little bit yeah you guys were you know what's really funny about that night is that um 
that I actually got like a um a text and I I'll remember this. It, you guys were out with like da- the Dangerous Summer, right? It was a dangerous summer and a dangerous tour. Yes, a dangerous <laughs> yeah. tour. So oh. what's really funny though is I I came to visit because uh you know I was friends with like some of the guys in the band and like that at, at that particular show I'll never forget because um there was a brief moment where I moved back to Salt Lake City for like six months. Um, mm-hmm. I got a text in the back room of your guys' dressing room from uh, Matt and my friend uh, Jeff Mole, and he was like, "Hey, um, just a heads up. I think Falling in Reverse might need a drummer." Wow! <laughs> it happened at Nate's show, and I, oh, I was no crazy. Way. Seriously though, I was just like, "Ah, you know, like if they, if if Ronnie wants me or the band wants me, that, like they'll call me." You know, right? And like at the at the time, I was still in bigger lights and everything, and so I just you know, Ronnie was working on a record at right. that point. So do do you think overall that Falling in Reverse is the biggest band that you've been a member of? Absolutely. I mean, two. I'm like looking at their Facebook pages, like 2.2 million <laughs> likes. It's unbelievable. <coughs> with, I mean, you without did play, a question, you did play with Jeffrey Star though, and I did play with Jeffrey Star. That's another was... 2.2 million likes right there. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was uh, my my hired gun uh, phase, you know. The hired like gun phase. Just... You did my favorite highway. You did Aiden. You played with Matchbook Romance. I've d- dude. I just I don't know. I guess I was just. How many contacts do you have in your phone? <laughs> He's got a Rolodex. I swear. You <laughs> you don't want to know because yeah. I'm sure that some of them like probably haven't been active numbers in like years, but they're just there. You know, Ryan. I would say like out of anybody I know, you are the most like socially a, just a connector. Like you. You like remember my birthday and like text me on it and uh, stuff that I'm just terrible at with my friends. <laughs> like you're really good at that. Like and you know, I I've, I've got nothing to offer you, so I have to assume it's out of like the kindness of your heart. Well, that you- <laughs> yeah, this is a skill. This is a really this is what we should talk about. Like how some people have this skill and some people just don't. And it's a big part of being in bands and people wanting to, you to come on tour and be in their band. Right. You're sort of sort of a guy that is just like really down to hang, really easy to get along with. And you just know everybody. How do you think, have you always been that way or has that developed over time or have you just, I mean, because that's part of the DIY hustle is kind of selling yourself and and being involved in the conversation when when it, when someone needs a drummer or some, something comes up. No, totally. Okay, so I want to give you just like a brief, you know, maybe two-minute history. I'll just give you like the, the highlights. But like, I guess you could say when I, when I was like a young kid, I was growing up in Salt Lake City, you know, and there wasn't really like a whole lot to do, you know. And so I would try to find musicians to jam with, and most of the time I, I couldn't really I couldn't really find people, and so I, w- I would settle, you know, and like – and so it was just about like being in a band like with your friends and just trying to like have a good time and just even try to play shows in your local community. So I, I kind of figured out like how to get it dialed in like in my hometown, you know, right. and like I've been going to shows for like years trying to be involved with like a local scene because like, dude, in high school, like truth be told, I didn't really hang out with anybody like in my school. I, I just I wasn't like the others, you know. And so when I would go home mm. from school, I would just practice drums all day. I would just. I was kind of an introvert, and then <clears throat> I remember getting invited to like um, I remember getting invited like like a punk show, and I'd never heard of the band that was playing. And then like after the show, I was like, "Wow, this is really cool! All these people like the same music that I do," and you know. And then it kind of just I, I kind of just like was going to shows all the time, and I, I was like a fan of what was happening in my area, you know. And then I was just trying to figure out like, well, how could we get more people out? How could we get? I'm, I'm just saying it's just being like a spectator, not even like a musician, you right. know. 
just thinking like, yeah. how can I, how could I be involved with like our music scene? Because at the time, you know, like when people were going to shows in Salt Lake, it was a really small place because a lot of people were like religiously oppressed, you know, like, like right. the Mormon church and everything. And so yeah. venues were just getting shut down like all the time. Right. So finally, like, you know, yeah. th- there was a core of people were like, that's where we would connect at shows. And we would just go to shows if, even if we hadn't heard of the band, just so we could hang out with our friends. And, and how do you how do you maintain a positive attitude in that competitive environment versus I'm better than everybody else I don't want to play that game like how do you make friends with guys that are trying to get their bands ahead of your band because because I mean also what I was saying in the story too is like I feel that music shouldn't really be a competition it should just be like camaraderie you know and that that's because like if your friends succeed ultimately you succeed it's a community mindset you know what I'm we're all we're yeah. all in this together type of absolutely thing. I never I never thought of it as like a competition or I never thought of it as like how could I get myself to the next level I just never even thought I just wanted to like play shows you know right and so right. in my in my Salt Lake community I was even offering to help out like our local uh you know promoter that was bringing in like the big national touring acts and then when he saw i was like passing out flyers and working really hard then he like threw my band on some shows you know and it was it was a genuine thing and so then when like we play with the bands like then we would like compliment each other be like oh like you have a great guitar player or drummer or whatever and then we'd all like go out to eat after the show together you know with like the touring band because like at Mm -hmm. the end of the night when like a, a touring band like is done playing typically they want to go eat or they want to go party or they want to go sleep you know right. it's like it's like those three things because you can't control like you know a bunch of different personalities in the band so you know those are usually like the three default things or you know they have to leave at the end of the night so right i guess what yeah. i was going to say is like i spent years just kind of like growing like my band's name in, in the local community and like everything like that and then um i'll just never forget that this one time we we booked like our own tour you know, we use that website called BYOFL. I don't think it's around anymore, and I'm, I don't know if you guys. Yeah, know I remember it. that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it stood for book your own fucking life, and we that, that's literally <laughs> yeah. what it stood for. Yeah, it, it was a, it was like um it was like a, a zine at the time when like promoters would put in their info and like it was just a way to try to get like yeah you could just email venues. Yeah, it, it's basically saying like I don't need the music industry. I can do this myself. I can create my own shows. I can create my own things. You know. And so we used that to book our, our very first tour. And at, at the time, I was in this band called The Teen Tragedies. Hmm. All right. And so and we were super punk. Like we weren't we weren't that great, you know, and like we just we just tried to give it a shot, though. But what I experienced is that like being being a musician and trying to make other people care is that you have to make like, uh, OK, take, for example, you're trying to open up like a, um, a McDonald's, right? Sure. It's like, why would you open up a McDonald's? in a bunch of different territories that you've never been to before, you know? Right. And like, why don't you see how the McDonald's works like in your own house ha- in your own town first. And then when it becomes successful, then start like growing McDonald's in like other places. I right. mean, it, it's a terrible analogy, but I just, you know, that that's the way I can like put it in layman's sure, terms. You have you to know? have a functional model before you franchise <clears throat> yeah. it. Yeah. But all, but also I, the most successful people I know are the ones that have taken like, like the wrong roads and hit dead ends but then they just keep going and they turn around and try to figure out the other road you yeah know? so what, what this yeah. all has to tie in to what you guys are saying but what ended up happening is i had a really sweet opportunity just because of like you know i would i would always try to just become friends with the bands that would come through i'd want to know like their stories and how like how they were touring like why they were in my town and so i remember like mm. on, on one of our my very first tours that we booked um we, we actually we played at the launch pad and this all-girl punk rock band at the time came out to see us called the eyeliners 
and we would open up for them every time they come to Salt Lake. And so at that point, I emailed them after the tour was over and just said, hey, I want to thank you so much for coming out to the show. I think I'm going to quit this band because the touring life isn't for me. And like, I just didn't get along with anybody in the band at the time. You know, we're all like friends now and stuff. Cause I was like, at the time when I quit, I was 18. They were like 25, <laughs> you know, <laughs> 25, yeah. 26. Cause I, again, there weren't that many people to play with in Salt Lake. So it's either like, and, and we had a bunch of great musicians in, in Salt Lake. And I think that a lot of times people just yeah, you get a lot of bands come out of there, huh? Well, I mean, we, uh, there's more musicians that come out of there than bands, but like, I would say that like most of the time it's just like people are just so involved with like the local community that they don't want to leave, you know, because they just, they have like, they're set they're they're afraid of like the unknown. But anyway, back to, back to this whole story. Sorry, I'm almost done. But like basically when we, uh, basically when I, when we got home from that tour, I wrote the eyeliners and was like, Hey, I just want to thank you so much for coming out to the show. Let me know when you guys come back through, like, I'm not going to be in this band anymore, you know? And then they were just like, well, actually, you know, we're actually thinking about taking a drummer out on our next tour. Like, would you be interested in like, you know, trying out for us? And I was like, holy shit. And like, I just didn't know what to think at that time, you know? And I was like, wow, like a professional band and I'm 18 years old and I'm still in high school and I'm getting asked to go like tour with these people. So I tried out for the band and then they're like, we're going to be on warp tour. And I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> that is crazy. And this was in the time where like, I loved every single band that was on warp tour. What year you know? is this? 2002. Oh, okay. So yeah. I was 18, fresh out of high school. You had like MXPX and the Bostones, and you had No Effects and Bad Religion and Newfound Glory. It was literally like the biggest year for music. It was like Good Charlotte. Every every band that was like on like MTV or TRL or whatever the fuck was on Warped Tour that summer. Right. Yeah. It was like it was like everything was coming together. Everyone knew about it. Everyone went. Everyone was in the know, or at least that's how it felt. I don't know. A lot of people say that doesn't feel that way in music anymore. But uh, it doesn't, and I don't know where that changed. But back then, everybody was like rooting for each other, you know. So I went on that tour that summer, and I was just like this dumb eighteen-year-old kid, and I just knew that I was in a playground with all my favorite bands I had like grown up listening to, going to their shows. You know, you're in Bus World, just like gawking. Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bus World is where they park all the buses together backstage, and everyone kind of hangs out. Yeah, for sure. All the buses are touching tips. Yes. So, (laughs) so yeah. So we're like, we're all just hanging out. I'm just being myself, just meet, just meeting people. Cause if you're on the road with, and and back then too, Warp Tour, there wasn't like, like 50 million bands, you know, it was like, right. There might've been like 40 or something, you know, I mean, there were still like a shit ton of stages back then. Like that year they, they had like the drive through stage come out. They had the Ernie ball, the whatever. So yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, that summer, I'm, I got to meet like a bunch of people. And like, I just, dude, there are people that I met there now who were like merch guys that are now like presidents of like companies. <laughs> yeah. You, you know what I mean? So like, I literally tried to, I just tried to be nice to everybody. Cause I was like, yo, like I'm a, I'm a hired musician. I might never, I might never experience this like ever again. I, like I truly had no idea what I was in for, you know? So that summer, basically you went viral that summer. Yeah. Semen went viral. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have this unbelievable way of connecting. That's what I'm talking about. Like everybody who meets you likes you well, and I, then you get their number and then you keep in touch this unbelievable. Yeah. Like, sense I've of, tried, but dude, over, over the years it's, it's gotten like, it's gotten really hard, you know? But well, I mean, the older like, you get, the less you do it uh, naturally. But you, you, yeah. How old are you now? I'm gonna be 33 this year. Me okay. too, man. I think I'm only a couple months older than you. Yeah. So you had an so, earlier start than me, though. So basically, 
from the beginning, just to kind of get back on track, you you get this opportunity, you get on Warp Tour, and you don't pass the opportunity. You're like, I'm going to talk to every guy in every band. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be hanging out. And I think that's a lot of what a lot of younger musicians don't get. I remember some local bands we played with, we'd come through, and we'd been busting our butt for six or seven years, and they had this chip on their shoulder like, we deserve this. We deserve to be on your show. And I'm like, dude, you're not going to get very far with that attitude. Just want you to know. Like, totally. if the headlining band asks you to do something, move some gear, whatever, it's kind of stupid not to. Be you know? kind yeah. and hustle. And those are, those, uh, Ryan, you seem to have those two things in yeah. space. <laughs> so I think that's why it's working for you. Well, I mean, dude, it's just like, it's it's also, but also people aren't stupid. People can generally see when you're like being genuine and when you're not, right. you know, at the same time. Right. So like, and, and I, I get it. Like, you just have to put yourself in those situations. But I think if you want anything badly enough in this life, you really can just go get it. It's just, it just takes, uh, like, every ounce in your, in your body. So, like, after that Warp Tour experience, right, So uh, the, the eyeliners were like, hey, like, thank you so much. I, I did, like, one more tour with them after that. We, we, were at, we went out with, like, No Use for a Name and Yellow Card after that, like, that Sweet. fall. And then, you know, and again, I made like great friendships and everything. And then I decided like when I got home, like the girls were like, hey, thank you so much. Because and, and as being a hired musician as well, like your job can also end at any time at a snap of a finger. Yeah, right. You know, it's like it's very unstable work and there's no guarantees like right. ever, you know. And so uh, so after that, I was like, OK, I'm 19 years old. Like, I guess I could like still go to college if I want to. But I figured like, man, I just I spent a whole summer doing like exactly what I want to do. And school doesn't really seem like that awesome to me. So then I decided, okay, I feel like I like had, had a good grasp on like my local scene. I knew what was going on in Salt Lake and I decided, you know what, maybe now it's time since I have like some sort of knowledge and, you know, roots that I can move to LA and try to do the exact same thing, you know? And so the minute I moved out there though, like, again, I I kept going to shows even when I was home after Warped Tour and I met this band called Fairview and they came through Salt Lake City and I just made friends with the singer Bobby, and I didn't know that like I was going to be in that band like six months later, you know. <laughs> so, but I was I was moving out to Los Angeles with the intent that I was going to go to music school, and I, and I did for three months, and I dropped out, and I, I went to Why? Um, because I felt like I wasn't getting the knowledge in there that I had gotten on the road. Dude, I lasted eight months in music school, so yeah, <laughs> I, it was I actually you know, it was actually drumming. It was drumming school, you okay. know, because I figured like okay, I'm going to be in this drumming school while I get my chops up and I'm going to try to figure out like where I could go as a musician in the city, you know? Right. And so, um, so then I, the, the day I get out to Los Angeles, I try out for this band Fairview and I got the gig, you know? But then what I realized with that band is that like they're at the end, on the end of their cycle and they wanted to try to do much bigger things. And a lot of, a lot of times too, like when you're, when you're starting a band and I didn't realize how important this one, this one was, but it's like development. Right. Right. So when you finally feel like you're ready, then you can explore your options as, be- as being a musician. But let's like if you're just like starting out and like you don't have a grassroots or sorry, you don't have like a, um, a grasp of like what you want to do. You know, like if like, for example, um, right now and I, I can tell the world this because I don't I don't really give a shit. But like uh, <laughs> right now, uh, the the bass player of Panic at the Disco and I, we have a side project. Right. And so we've been actually working on this for a long time, but it's still not ready yet. So we're not really like trying to like put it in people's faces. We're not trying to like go because you have to have something that's like worth showing. You have to believe in it and you have to believe in yourself. And then yeah. that's the way that people will believe in you too. Right. You know? So, but like, again, like we were behind timing. the scenes. Yeah. Timing. Sure. Yeah. So, but with my old band Fairview, we were behind the scenes for like two and a half years. And all I could think about was like, dude, I just want a tour already. 
And I was so like impatient and like, I ended up, I ended up quitting the band, but then I realized years later that that was probably my, in my best interest because the singer of that band didn't feel like he was ready until like, uh, like I'm not even exaggerating and pro- probably until like three years ago. And they're like the most amazing band I've ever seen ever. But now it's like they missed a boat, you know what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. So waiting, and, waiting too long. I mean, I'm all for, and this is a, this is a total mentality con- uh, concept here, but like I'm all for diving in and failing and making a bunch of mistakes. Yes, absolutely. Um, because I feel like you learn from those mistakes. You learn from that failure as opposed to going, I, I, I'm not ready. Instead I'm not fe- ready. Yeah, it's a fear of failure. <laughs> right. And, and and you seem to like have this down to like a fine art because you've been in all these bands and you've been, you know, you've had doors closed on you, but you you've at those junctures jumped out the window into another opportunity every single time. Like you're like a you're like a cockroach at the end of the world. You just survive. <laughs> I'm like a I'm like a jo- I'm a Josh Freeze of Warp Tour. No, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, at, can you talk a bit about how like maybe the maybe those failures, like when you were like down in the dumps, how those kind of helped you, you know, move forward and grow as a musician and and keep your keep your chin up. Dude, I mean, here's the deal. When I moved out to LA, people think that this this is the crazy thing. I don't know. Do you guys listen to David Cross at all? He's he's a comedian. Yeah, I've heard his stuff. Yeah. Okay, he has a skit about. And I remember I was listening to this like in in our van when we were on tour and like or like with with the bigger lights. But David Cross had this really awesome like joke about how like um, when everybody like comes to Hollywood, they just think like you know what? If I move to Hollywood, I'm just gonna make it. You know? Yeah. Like. They just think like, okay, I'm going to get like all the opportunities in the world. And, and in fact, like, but everybody thinks like that when they come out, they're like, well, I'm doing the move to Hollywood. So right. I guess something's mm-hmm. going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And then like, it's one of the hardest cities in the world to live in even, right. even today, you know? And like, I just remember coming here and thinking, okay, like, what do I even do? Cause I met some people on warp tour. Now I just like, what do I do? So I started again. I was like, I guess I'm going to do what I did in Salt Lake city. So like I'd work my job. I go to band practice, I go to shows and I just made that my life. Right. You know, and there's a lot of people that like, you know, like some people have girlfriends, some people have like families and, and, and like to, to be, I feel like to be a successful musician, right. like whoever, if you're with somebody, you're not with somebody like those people have to understand that like being a, an actual hired musician or just being in a band is, is a 24 hour job. Right. All the time. Like whether I'm going out to drinks tonight with like a friend who's like in the music industry, it's still a job. It right. really is. Like we're, we're networking, but we're also having fun. We're being genuine and trying to think of like, like new ideas to just like, you know, soar. You, you think the mentality um, of people who actually make it in Hollywood is more I'm not I'm going to move there and make it. It's I'm going to move there, try everything, fail a bunch and keep trying. I feel like there's two personalities, though. I, I This might be too dualistic to think, but it seems like there's the asshole that makes it and then the super nice guy that makes it. And you can be one of two dudes. It's um, true. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many guys that made it. I'm just like, that guy's a jerk. Why does he? Why is that band he doing respect in some way? I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. It's like the Donald Trump just <laughs> blows over everybody, and everyone loves him. Deal, because like there, there, there are people out there that like won't take no for an answer, whether it's a nice person or or an asshole. You know? So like yeah. these people keep trying, and, and on a lot of times like. You know, um, there, there, there's like, uh, what am I trying to say here? I think to be like, even like a, a singer or like a songwriter or anything, you have to have that mentality in your head that like, I am better than everyone else. Right. I can, I can do this, even though like realistically you're not thinking like that, 
Right. You're just yeah. like you're like I have because you have to believe in yourself. Before well, you have to be bold does. enough to put to, yeah. to put a mic in front of your face and think that an entire room full of people are going to enjoy it. And that yeah, takes are going to grasp on the every word that yeah, you say. It yeah, takes a sure. level I, of I, boldness there. I struggle with that. I I didn't ever fully believe that. I always thought that was kind of douchey to do. So I always kind of struggled with that vibe. You know what I mean? Which I think ultimately uh, didn't help our band succeed. You know, because I just couldn't do that thing um, very well. Well, to a lot of people, but, your band did succeed, and that's yes, the thing exactly. Too. It's like, it, it, people want to hear about how your band made it, Nate. Even though your band, you you think your band didn't. <laughs> no, exa- exactly, yeah. dude. I, that's where I th- that's where I sit every morning. I I'm not joking, Matt. I wake up every day, and I'm like, okay, what am I gonna do today that's gonna make me a better person than yesterday? And I feel like this is all like make believe. And yeah. I feel like, and I feel like that any of this can go away at any time. That's and the I Zen. Just, that's the Zen meditation of gratitude that you wake up to every day, Ryan. And that might be your secret why you're such a nice guy because you yeah. wake up and you go, "I'm lucky to be here." And if you start your your day from that position, I mean, you just live better. I think it's not you easy hide- though, man. Like, because because then you start like thinking like, "Fuck, man!" Like, why why didn't this dude want to hear my stuff? Or like, okay, because for example, now now I've taken a, a different turn in my in my career as well. You know, because like, okay, I've been playing drums and stuff, but I feel like at some point in my life, you know, that I, I might not be able to be 40 years old and, and be on the warp tour. Maybe right. I will, though. Who knows? I don't know. But like, hmm. I, I, so I always try to think like, okay, what else could I be doing in my life to like, you know, I, I've, I've made all these great friends over the years. I've, I've known yeah. almost at least one person at every label that's involved in like my world. Right. You're, you know, thinking, to, I, you're thinking to diversify a bit. Right. So I'm like, what else could I be besides a drummer? And that's the other thing, too, that people fail to realize in music is that, like, you can't just be one – in order to succeed, you can't just be one that's thing. That's the have to DIY be a hustle. You have to be a social media expert. You have to be yep. a website expert. you got to understand how to write an email, how to, yeah. how to do a Skype call like we're doing right now. I mean, Even you though I hung up like twice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to know. you got to know so much to do it. And but people are going to, yeah. You know, even at your level, like you guys are selling out, I don't know what, 1,500 cap rooms and stuff. You're still DIY hustling that whole thing. Oh, absolutely, dude. And, and what people also don't understand is that like being on a label these days just merely means that you're that you're just borrowing money from a bank. Yeah. That's, that's all, all it is. is. Yeah. It's a glorified bank that doesn't have that much accrued interest and in that like, you know, you're just not going to get paid until it gets recouped. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, and so, um, so anyway, but with everything I've learned, I was like, you know what, like, why don't I try and just like be a manager? So now I manage like a pop punk band that's actually going on the warp tour this summer, and they have a really good slot and everything. But I just, you know, I was studying. I mean, you're like, can I just say that you're like a natural already? No, (laughs) like, yeah, like I think if anybody should be a manager it's ryan seaman dude it, well, what, well, it's a whole different can of worms it is i, but I like, get people say no to me every day <laughs> every single day someone slams the door like oh no we, we need this kind of a draw it's just like fuck dude so i'm always constantly thinking like how do i get my band on like this tour how do i get them on this thing but like the, i'm just gonna give you a little story <laughs> behind the band i'm managing so right now they're called they're called assuming we survive right right and so their hometown is like we i mean they're they're from like the redlands or whatever they're like from like san bernardino county but uh they can sell out the glass house right Holy cow in pomona so yeah that's a big so, venue that is a big venue so because of that that was like me uh, so they you know they put in the hard work and this is before like i had met them and everything i mean like they they just started like selling out shows 
like right when I met them, but like they put in all this work, but they were trying to figure out how to get to the next level. Right. Right. And so they would, they would come to me like, like a lot of the time for advice. And I would just kind of give them like, like maybe you should try doing this or that. And like things that I was, that I was saying, it was like kind of working for them, you know? And so they were just like, Hey, like, why don't we just try this out? Like, why don't you try being our manager? And I was like, Oh man, okay. I, I guess I can give this a shot, but I've been there. Say yes to everything. Right. So, so (laughs) yeah, exactly. Fake it till you make it right. No, exactly. So I'm like, okay, well, I mean like, what have I spent all these years doing? Like why, like in my head, I'm like, why did I go talk to the merch guy from like the hopeless records tent? Who's now like a vice president at like artery foundation. Why did I talk? Like what made me drawn to these people? You know what I'm saying? Like why, why was I this outgoing person? Like I didn't understand like what I was doing. I was just like, Oh, we're all in this like together. Well, that's the thing. It's it's, at some point. I mean, you spend your 10, 10 years, 10,000 hours as Malcolm Gladwell would put it. And then you wake up one day and you're in your thirties and you are an expert. Like, I, I am an expert yes. in, in this music business thing. But Ryan didn't realize that you and I are actually having an, uh, an interview right now to ask him to manage our bands. That's what it's <laughs> all about. I need your expertise, man. <laughs> oh, my God. I would manage the shit out of either of your bands. Oh, my God. That'd be, that'd be so awesome. Okay, but check this out. But really, though, it's like, so these guys had, like, some leverage in the hometown, you know? And, like, being a manager, it's all about, like, trying to strategize how to like get something for your band, but also how to offer something for like the other band. Trades, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah, exactly. It's kind of like trading. So you're trying yeah. to figure out like, well, what can we like? We had to do like some like basically we had to do like some trades to get like, you know, uh, like a tour routed for us at first. You right. know what I mean? Like we like we went out with this band that was on Epitaph. Or sorry, assuming we survived, went out with this band on Epitaph, and we were like, hey, if if you get us on your tour we'll make sure that like you're going to be direct support for assuming we survive at the glass house. And like right. that's something that that band needed, you know? Right. So they're like, okay, let's do this. So we routed a whole tour around it, you know? Right. So there was that. And then like, they would get on like these like big local festivals in town. And then like, you know, the mentality is, you know, with anything is that if it's going to work in your hometown, it could work anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. So people need to see that it's working, right. you know, before anybody wants to touch it. Yeah, my band you know? was always big about that. Like we were, we were always biggest in Seattle, and we, we spent a couple years yeah. developing that scene first, exactly, so that when people like flew in for showcases, they could see us in in a working element of like, oh wow, people in this community really like this. This could go other places. I yeah, never right. In that, and, and you know, it's so hard. People ask me now that they're, they're like, "How the hell do you form a, a successful band?" in like the two th- like the late 2000s now like how does that even happen like right. this this era of music because everything is just so like uh what's the word not regurgitated but it is, it is just so oversaturated like, it's oversaturated thank yeah. you yeah it's oversaturated and so like um people try to think like how the hell am i going to get to that next level but what people don't realize is it's, it's kind of going back to the dinosaur method it's the where same it's like, thing yeah yeah it's like okay well get big in your hometown first nothing, you know nothing will help your band better than playing live shows and now now we also live in an age where like record people like labels and agents and whatever are willing to sign bands without even seeing the band (laughs) they're just like oh numbers okay cool they drew this many so this means that they're good i'm just surprised i'm surprised bands are even getting signed i mean where's the money coming from that's what i want okay that's that's the thing i want to tell you too like you would not believe it like today today's record deals are merely like i look at it and go why the hell are like why why is anybody doing this? Right. You know what I'm saying? You know? But at the same time, there's like politics involved. 
You know, it's like, right. well, maybe if I sign this deal, then like I can go do this in hopes that it's this le- will happen. It's notoriety. It's legitimacy. It's people yeah. still want to sign because they want to be legitimized. Everyone's an impo- has imposter syndrome and thinks they don't belong. And then maybe if a label comes along and signs them to a really shit deal, they'll at least feel like they belong and get the tours they want. And, and this get- is why you name your band Assuming We Survive, because Assuming We Survive... Assuming we survive this record deal, we're going to yeah. make it. You know what I'm saying? Dude, assuming we survive Warp Tour. Like, you know, I went, I went into Kevin's office. Like, literally, I went into Kevin's office. And I and keep in mind, Kevin is like the – I'm going to be real here. Kevin has given us all of our careers. Everybody Lyman. that I know in the music industry, they have their career. You're talking Kevin. about Kevin Lyman from Warp yes. Tour. Yeah. Yeah. Any, any given person that I know, you can, you can just route it right back down to like the fucking – you know, the yeah. – uh, the think bubble or whatever is like where did where did it all start and like you can connect the dots and eventually right. it just all goes back to Kevin. Lyman. Yeah, he built a scene. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, if I could go back, I would have that first summer I was on Warp Tour. I would have just followed him around and did anything he wanted me to do. Like, hey, you need some toilet paper? You need some? You need a coke? What do you need? I did uh, Warp <laughs> Tour in two thousand eight? Um, I thought, oh, you know, I'll get him like a gift basket and say thanks for having the classic crime on Warp Tour. And like I show up on his bus, and there is literally like a hundred gift baskets all, all oh over the God. bus, and I'm like the last guy there with like a nice bottle of champagne, and they're like, "Yeah, you can I put feel, it over there." And I'm like, I have to "Damn tell it, you something. yeah, <laughs> dude." I, I I have to tell you something. I feel so bad for Kevin though because like there are hundreds and thousands of people that he has to remember over like a daily basis, right? right? And it it is like super supreme. Like he's at the very top, where like literally. You know, he is really great. Like it's, I'm not joking. It took him maybe 10 years to remember my name and who I was, <laughs> you know, but again, it's persistency and it's about, you know, but then like I started getting invited to things with him, like, and he saw that I was really like caring about like our, our music scene, you know, right. cause, cause I got, I gotta be honest, like in, in LA, there's like, there's no like actual like music scene. Like, like it's not small town vibe where like you go to a show in Utah and you just know that like. Everyone's, Jimmy, yeah. Jimmy, the tooth is going to be there. Like, like some, I, you know, I'm just making names up, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. you, you never Dude, know. I like Jimmy, like, the tooth, man. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. saturated. There's no real focused <laughs> scene there. And LA is just yeah. a lame place to play. Generally speaking, cause everyone just sits on their phones the whole time, but totally. But here's I, the deal, Ryan. Yeah. Here's the deal, Ryan. Someone so, out there is going to say, ah, this kid got lucky, man. He, when he was in, he was in Salt Lake when he was 10 years old, he dug down in the ground, found some golden drumsticks <laughs> came out, and he translated it into a career and he translated straight into a career and now look look how lucky he was you know what i'm saying so what do you say to those haters i just i just let them i say you know what that was a really bad joke so. but no, you no, are fine. but but you would uh, you would agree that you are lucky but uh, of course it takes uh, I'm, it's, ve- I'm very lucky it's but you know elbow what? It's grease a- it's hustle yes. it's diy mentality it's pushing through failures when doors get slammed in your face not taking no for an answer and luck, <laughs> you know. No, absolutely, and you know, and it, and it takes like, like, hey, do you want to go to a wedding? Nope, can't do that. Hey, uh, like, it's your girlfriend's whatever. Nope, can't do that because right. it's it's a constant, it's a constant grind. And a lot of people that I know in the music industry are like, you know, yeah. How is your love life? Uh, my love life is actually really new right now. <laughs> I have I have a new I have a new girlfriend, and she's moving here uh, in like a month to nice. her own place. And yeah, she's coming up here from Brazil. Oh, so, congratulations. No again, way. Come to I, Brazil, Ryan. But again, <laughs> I met her because of like music, you know? Yeah. Like, I would have never met my girlfriend if I wasn't. Are like, you traveling. big in Brazil? We had an inside joke for years online. Um, Come every, to Brazil. Every time 
<laughs> I don't know if you guys ever it's got so that, true. Nate. We got we get it a ton. Like every everything we tweet or anything, someone someone from Brazil always says, "Come to Brazil." All and I think Ryan Seaman got it maybe more than anybody else. <laughs> the Brazilian fans, dude. Okay, just I'll just come. tell you this. So, so then uh, all his friends do it too. All his friends just tweet back at him, "Come to Brazil." Dude, I I don't even know why. Like I remember one time I said something like, "Rest in like." This is a while ago. I was like, "Rest in peace." Like, uh, I'm just making up shit here, but I'd be like, "Rest in peace, uh, grandmother. You were really, you were really a great soul on this earth. Like, I'll see you on the other side." And then a tweet would come back and say, "Come to Brazil," you know, <laughs> or or like, it's so like inappropriate. Yeah, like <laughs> I'm serious though, man. Like, I would be like, "Going out in the town today. Come to Brazil," yeah. or like. Dude, but then finally I came to Brazil and sure enough, dude, in every single uh, country we would go to in South America, kids would be waiting at the airport, you know? Yeah. And, and it's like the only, it's the only like, not country, but like it's the only, um, and I get in a fight with my girlfriend about this a lot. I, I, I know that like South America and North America, it's one continent, right? But it might as well be two because you have the separation of the Panama Canal, you know? So, right, right, right. So I, I consider South America an entirely different planet. Okay, like an entirely oh, it, different yeah, world. It's so below the equator, man, it's down there. Yeah, it is. So yeah. like any like Chile, Argentina, Colombia, all that stuff. Kids were always at the airports, and it is still it's still like the '80s down there. We're like rock yeah. bands are huge. People go to show. You know what I mean? Like I noticed that in like Australia too when we were there. Like everyone's like into Guns and Roses and stuff, and I was like, yeah, you know, it's just weird. Like super rock and roll, man. Yeah, nobody like, cares about else. this in the U.S. anymore, but. So what we need to do is we need to do a, a Sherwood Classic Crime Tour in South America. Ryan, you drum for both bands. and <laughs> Dude, you know how fast and... I would do that? I would still be living up to the name of Warp Tour Josh Freeze. That would be amazing. <laughs> Warp Tour Josh Freeze. Uh, Ryan fuck. Siemens and the Sherwood dude, Crime. Fuck. Nate, I used to love your band, man. I, <laughs> dude, I, you know how I found you guys, seriously, was, uh, was MySpace. You know, I, I think that's like... I mean, that's how a lot of people heard of the band. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that, at least that's how I did. And I was like, who the hell yeah. is Sherwood? And they put out that compilation and everything. Because I used to listen to those. Like, the comp- compilations were huge in my world, you know? Because that's how I find out yeah. about new stuff. MySpace and when I heard, records, yeah. baby. MySpace is good in some senses, but then, you know, it. I don't know if it's ever good to have your band attached to a website. Hey, man, it's better than going to work at, you know, uh, a sandwich shop or like a. At, at yep. the same time, it's like what I've admired about MySpace is that like they wanted to give people a chance and an opportunity, like you know MySpace Records. You know, it's like where did the money come from for that? It, it came from people oh, viewing man. that website. They had they had dumb dumb amounts of money. Like they spent money on our band like they were a major label with no clue how to spend exactly. money. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, it was awesome, but it was also like it was it was a ticking time bomb in some sense. <laughs> But no, oh, we no. loved it. 100%. We had a great time. So Ryan, let's I'm, talk uh, about let's talk about uh, you, uh, what yeah. you're doing with the Entertainment Institute. Um, we we spoke a bit about you and Kevin Lyman. Ke- that's that's Kevin Lyman's thing, right? Uh, it is and it isn't. It is in the sense that it's on Warp Tour uh, grounds, but it's actually ran. It's it's like his name's involved in it, but uh, Matt Halperin from the band Periphery, okay, and and Dakota Gardner, who also works at the uh, at, at Kevin's office, is Mike Mowry helping out with that? Um, I don't, I don't think so. Actually, oh, I've, I haven't gotten any names in, in, in my box from him or anything. Okay. I, I know, I know Mike though, but yeah, yeah. um, where's he going with this? But yeah, it's like, I really think that these class as, as funny as these classes like might seem to be, I really wish that when I was going to warp tour that I could talk to like my favorite bands, you know, like, can you imagine like back in like 98, if like blink 182 was like, Hey, we're going to like 
talk about you know how uh, to make it or on our story, how we got yeah. to where we are yeah i'm just like why the hell didn't they start doing that like years ago for people that actually want to be like in the music industry and you know like I'll, I'll go do these and you'll get like an occasional fan that just like wants to like just come kick it with you because like you're in the band you're in their favorite band right you know but then you get some people that actually want to make a career out of this so you're you know? sitting and, there work you're 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 at warp tour and what is it like a tent huh. you're teaching yeah, a workshop yeah, in a tent for fans yeah yeah, it's a 10 by 10 tent, you know, and it's like 100 million degrees outside and you guys all get to hang out and I get to basically do what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know, spread knowledge, That's tell awesome. stories yeah. and kids have questions and I tell them how I think like they should handle it and like how, how I would have handled it or how I would, you know, would in their, in their shoes or where they're at in their career. And I just want to like connect with people because yeah, you never know, dude, like somebody I could be talking to could be the next Matt or Nate or any of us. You sure. Know? Well, like, all right, here we go. So let's let's pretend we're in that tent right now. We're going to ask you a couple questions. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, how do I network and not be shady or not be like that guy? How do I network with people and still come across like like a good human? So how, what my answer would be to that is figure out what what's happening in your local town. It all starts at ground zero. It starts where you're sitting right now. So, like, if I'm in Allentown, Pennsylvania, I want to figure out where are the hottest clubs to go to. Who's playing where, at the Croc? Yeah, who's playing at the Croc Croc? <laughs> like, do you want to go talk to, like, the cokehead Tom Taylor, the promoter? Like, go for it, you know? <laughs> that guy's like, always coked out. <laughs> I know. Dude, I, like, the, the stories that I could tell, like, I, I should write a book already, but I, I think <laughs> yeah, I have, Yeah, you like, should. I got a good, I think, honestly, I probably have a good, a good like, two or we three just, more years. I don't even, uh, you actually know his name. We just called him Ponytail. <laughs> yeah, like with with the bigger line, <laughs> with the for everyone listening, I got to explain this. There is a crazy promoter in every city that does every show. He's kind of wacky. He'll be there no matter you want him there or not. He he rarely pays you. He's got a quirky personality, but it's like every band has to go through this guy to play, and it sucks. <laughs> yes, every city, every every oh for sure, dude. Like uh. I, well, okay, we'll, we'll talk. There, there's, you know, what's really funny in Salt Lake City. Like, I've been a little, like, not like out of touch, but I just know that like Salt Lake isn't. It's not as dominant of a scene as it used to be. It's no, really man. not. I mean, we Avalon closed down. Uh, you know, a lot of those. Dude, Sherwood's probably played in twelve different clubs in Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's a really hard place to go. But I mean, when I was growing up, though, like it was awesome because it was just punk rock. And punk rock was really big, SMC like in our. Punk. It wasn't like really big, but it was big in our scene because all these kids were like, "Oh, Green Day's on MTV," and like, whatever. And and you know, now we're like, "Fuck," because like they got an MTV, and now like they're gonna take away like this little like secret society that we created for ourselves, you know? Right. But it was like, yeah. But where I was going, sorry, where I was going with this is, I would tell every kid in that town, like, "Hey, uh, go figure figure out what the hottest bands are in your town. Figure out like all the shows coming through that." that's in the genre that you're trying to go after and just start going and you yeah. never know who you're going to meet. And that's basically it. And like, yeah, it's there's just developing energy, friendship. there's energy everywhere and you just have to plug yourself into it. It's like an outlet, you know, like if right. you want to be where the energy is at, where the things are moving, where the scene is happening, you have to go and plug yourself physically into it. Yeah. And once you figure that out, then if, if, if you're smart, once you figure out like how everything works, then you can decide like, okay, well, I know like how this guy puts on shows now. Maybe I could start putting on my own shows, or maybe I could start, you know, I could start like really small and like throw a house party and have people come to that, and then eventually right. like grow it in my area. But it's literally like, um, it's like going back to like the caveman days. It right. really is like because the internet again is so oversaturated, right? You know, 
It's, yeah. it's true. Like, I don't even know, like, for real now, I don't really know how bands do it anymore, other than, like, starting from their local scene. Honestly, and then, you know, I just got off tour, and I, I, I've said this for a long time. My buddy Matt Carter says it all the time. Nothing connects your music to a fan or a listener better than live performance. Yeah. There is something visceral and tangible and real and emotional that you just cannot get from listening to Spotify or watching videos on YouTube. And that's why live music will always have value. So sure. Plug yourself into the scene and get your music, start playing music live uh, is, pr- is really good advice because there's, there's nothing that's going to make you stand out against a sea of, of stuff on the internet. Right. More, more so than, to, more to than recap, I would say, you know, gotta be yep. likable. Yeah. Yep. Gotta be gotta, likable. Gotta get plugged in. You gotta do something for somebody else first. Really. That's what it comes down to. I yeah, mean, you gotta offer services. Not necessarily. You know, Ryan, Ryan, you were talking about how you were hustling for the promoter and handing out flyers and stuff like that. And people see you work hard. I mean, that's the thing, too. I think the generation that's coming up behind us is a little bit more entitled. Like, yes. oh, I can just blow up on YouTube, you know? I can just live broadcast myself on Vine and I just blow up and you just do it. But, like, there was a mentality where we were going to do all the dirty jobs, you know, when we were coming up. Like, we yeah. would play the house show on the in the living room, and we would play the coffee, the TLC coffee shop in Marysville. <laughs> like, Jeez. just stuff like that where, where we were willing to do anything. We would go yeah. to the shows. We would hand out flyers. Like, and I just feel like... Jerry's Pizza. Yeah, Jerry's yep, Pizza. Jer- do you know what, though? Check it out, Matt. I think, I think that mentality still exists. I just don't think that kids know. Does that right. make sense? Well, there's so much more entertainment that com- they're, they're competing for. Right. You know what I'm exactly. Because now everybody's like, in the band. Like, your neighbor is a, a fucking DJ, and he, <laughs> all he does is sit behind Pro Tools all day, like, making, like, little loops, like, and, 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 and like, yeah. that's considered, you know. Art. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I've said this on the podcast before, back in 2006, when we signed to MySpace, there was 4.5 million MySpace band pages back then. Yes. Yes. So if that was 10 years ago, it's probably quadrupled since then. If MySpace came back on the scene, there would be 25 million band pages. So yeah, true. And that's also that what industry can, that's, yeah. that's how the industry found I am ghost as well was from MySpace. They, they, they saw like, oh, my gosh, who is this band? But then but the difference is, is that we were selling out our venues in our local town, you know, so the right. label went, holy crap, they have a lot of friends on MySpace. And they've never toured, and they're selling out venues all around town. Right. Like, let's sign this band. And it was as simple as that, you know? Yeah. Well, but no, what about, yeah, what about, the internet yeah. is is super important, obviously. I mean, we we were discovered by our management from a pure, a pure volume feature on yep. purevolume.com. So, that, like, being everywhere and and motivated yeah. to, to make everything work, it's sort of like you got to be firing on all cylinders to get the opportunities. But as a as a human being, as a person in this, because we've all heard these stories and such, and I think what we try to tackle on the podcast is how do you battle your inner demons? What are your inner demons? How do they come out, and how do you kind of keep yeah, pushing? Yeah, like up? when when people say, "Yeah, we're not gonna, uh, we don't need you in our band anymore." Do you do you ha- does that negativity like affect you for a time, or do you think maybe I'm not good enough, or how do you overcome that? Is this a rhetorical question, or are you asking me? No, you. <laughs> oh, okay. Because, I mean, look, like, sometimes a band will end or a job ends and stuff, but it's just like you have to take what you know, and hope, hopefully that people see the value that you've you've put in, and people 
will see the uh, the genuine side of yourself. Like for example, um, when we were talking about like, because you'd asked me earlier, Nate, you're like you're saying how do how do people how do you how do you be genuine about it? But here's what I think yeah. is that like no matter where you are as a musician, the the minute like the band that you create is over, you literally start over. It it doesn't. It's like it's it's super hard to like transcend like you know members from like like one really big band to just like completely just like start from from ground zero. You know, right. it it literally yeah. happens though. When people when the wave is over, when the band's done riding the wave, because what people don't understand is like the the wave does come down. It just how, it depends on how you deal with it, you know? Right. So, but you know, there's, yeah. there's other people like, check it out. Like, um, like less than Jake and real big fish. Right. I don't think that either of those bands have gotten bigger, but I don't think they've gotten smaller either. And they've been main- maintaining. And that's something to be said too. So, well, there's a lot of jaded people too, that are like, holy crap. Like it's, it's like some people don't know hmm. how good they have it. I'm not saying them. They've never like said anything sure. like that or looted. I'm just, I'm just saying like, it, there's got to be it's got to be frustrating sometimes in your career to like to be going this like steady pace when you see bands just going like super above the rise and they right. haven't been doing it as long as you and all this stuff but what i learned in the end is that like your destiny is going to take you wherever your destiny is going to sure, take and, you and a, lot, a lot more people are doing sustainable careers like you said less than jake and yeah uh you know they're sustaining a career and a living no effects and basically Perfect example. Exactly, they're not they're not trying to like shoot up to the moon and, and hit the mainstream or hit it big or anything they're sus- they're making a sustainable effort to give the music supply the music for the demand that the fans exactly. have. and you can do that and if that's the goal i always say this if the goal is just constantly upward trajectory and you're not trending upwards you're you're gonna feel like a failure and you're gonna have to quit but if the goal is to well, put yeah. out music for people who want to hear it and you have established a fan base then there's always a way to do that and be sustainable yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah sorry nate i totally cut you off <laughs> no no i was i was just saying i i felt like it's easy to feel sorry for yourself when you're when you when the wave goes down. So everyone rides that wave, and then the wave goes down. I think ninety percent of bands, if they've had some success on that wave, it's really hard to not just hang it up when it goes down. My band yeah. got you know we we basically got out of our contract on tooth and nail, and no one was knocking on the door, and it was like okay, that door is closed. Like we're independent now. What do we do? And yeah, I I was like well. I'll try this Kickstarter thing. And Dude, we got to talk about that, man. <laughs> See what you're, you're, You guys have to have a Guinness World Book of Records of <laughs> band that raised the most funds in the least amount of time possible. Like, no, nah, man, fucking... there's other there's other bigger bands that have done have done a lot more. But we, I mean, this is our our third, and it's it's by far the fastest that we've. Uh, but check it out. It's not the amount that you set. It's the amount of time that it took to just get that amount. Right. Which is insane to me. You know. <laughs> so well, well we've. Yeah. It, uh, we have the benefit of it being the third time. So I think people are really used to the whole process and they're happy with the previous times. And so it's just easy for them to make that decision. Dude, before I could even like order a record from you guys, like it was already <laughs> like, Oh, they met their goal. Okay. Well, you know, and then there's something to be said for that too. Cause what people don't realize is that like, even though you met your goal, there's so many other like incredible expenses right. that you can like put in the band. People just, they, it's not just like you do, you start a Kickstarter and then the minute you like yeah. raise all this money, you're like, Oh man, I'm rich, bitch. You yeah, know, nobody. Yeah, like, we we spent all we spend all of our Kickstarter money on the records, on the release, yeah. on the promotion, everything. I mean, we don't we don't make any money off of it. But the good news is, is once we're once the record's out, we're out of the hole. We're not recouping with a label right. and paying them back. So you are your own label. You yeah, are your great. own destiny. But what I'm saying is point. that that opportunity would have never crossed my my mind if a door had not been slammed in my face 
Exactly. And if I did not have to try to troubleshoot and DIY and hustle things um, because I was forced to. And so, I mean, obviously we have a, we have unbelievable fan base that is super supportive and understands, you know, the whole process and everything like that. Um, but we have not been upward trending. We're not gaining more fans, and I'm totally okay with that. I'm okay. You're with making this a level. sustainable living career, not having to work for the man. Right. And exactly. that's to me, that's what it's about. It's not about how big your band. Like for, honestly, like dude, if I had to play for like a hundred people for the rest of my life, knowing that like I wasn't going to be homeless or I would yeah. have to like work some job that yeah. I absolutely hated, then like who cares? You know yeah. what I mean? I think there's conflicting desires when it when you want to start a band. And you have a, a real full passion for playing music. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think I had that. So when tours started to suck, mm-hmm. I started to go, do I even like this band thing? Like, <laughs> I, right. I like fans. I like, I like promoting my, uh, my art. You like but hanging I hated, out. And I like hanging out, but I didn't like a lot of like, just because you want to be like some famous person, if you just want to be famous, go be a YouTuber. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Being in a band is so much harder. It's a harder fame, I think. It is, so, dude. It's 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 insane. So what I was gonna say because you could you can literally like, I mean, I've been playing the same songs now for you know I, I'm I, this is how I feel in my career. I feel that like, and you get in this rut, and I don't know if you you know maybe you guys don't agree, and but like. You have to you have to change it up every once in a while, or else it does turn into this like mundane, like oh my god, I can't believe I'm playing like the drug me and the drug me is you like for the five hundredth time. You know what I mean? <laughs> like fuck my life. Like I, that's not how I think though, because it's like I try to stimulate my brain when I'm off tour, right? So like I'm not just bound to falling in reverse. I try to make myself as like openly as possible. So like when falling in reverse is done, like touring, I try to go make a new adventure for myself. Right. You know. So like for example, I met this really, really, really awesome actor named Thomas Ian Nicholas. Do you guys know him at all? No. Have you heard his name? Hmm. He was in the movie Rookie of the Year. He was like the pitcher. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You know? So my friend, yeah. I know you know him, uh, <laughs> Nate. Uh, uh, Matt Kennedy. He was in that band, The Graduate. Oh, yeah. You know? I, I remember that band. Yeah, he was al- He was also in The Dangerous Summer after Brian uh, left the band. Okay. Maybe you didn't tour with Matt. Never mind. But the point is, is like, again, like, Bigger Lights and The Graduate did like shit back in the day. And then I told him this year, I was like, dude, I have some time off. So like, if you... If you know anybody who just wants to jam, I just want to keep my chops up. Like, Flying Reverse has, like, a six-month break, you know? And he's like, dude, actually, man, like, I'm playing with this dude, Thomas Ian Nicholas, and he has, like, his own original music, and he's got, like, all this stuff. And I'm like, wow. And it's just, you know, because, I mean, like, with Falling in Reverse, you know, sometimes, like, and I'm sure, you know, Nate, you could relate, like, Sherwood or, you know, Classic Crime, any of these. Like, sometimes it's, like, you're playing the same movie over and over again. Right. You know what oh, I mean? yeah, oh, yeah. And so if you don't want to watch the same movie over and over again, maybe maybe sometimes, like, even though you love that movie, like, you want to try other stuff, you know? Right. And, and, revisit, the, and revisit that movie. Yeah, I just, like, it's like a different keeps story. Keeps it fresh. Yeah. Keeps it, yeah. Keeps it interesting. There is something to be said where you, you want to do things that make sense and build, you know what I mean? So, like, if you have, like, a band, like, assuming we survive, who can draw, like, in Pomona super well, you know, and they're just now, like, getting into other places and drawing like, you know, hundred, 150 people at every, every show, you know, like after, after that happens, it's like you try to figure out ideas of just how to take it to the next level. But I feel like as a musician, you're always challenging yourself and you're always trying to figure out what, what more could I be doing? Like how, and, and it's just, it's all trial and error, man. You know, right. it's like, maybe was this song, like, did this song just not connect with people or like, are we playing, like, 
was there something else going on in that town that night? Was there, there's so many different conditions, you know, conditions yeah. for well, like it interesting how, how failure just te- like going back to the whole failure thing, how failure actually teaches you how to succeed. Like, uh, I overheard, yes. a, overheard a conversation the other day with someone's like, you know, I talked to this lawyer about this publishing deal and the lawyer was like, Oh man, you, I have screwed up more publishing deals than you can imagine. You want me, you want me to do this deal for you. <laughs> <laughs> And it's not the truth. It's like he knows all the ways you can fail. And so, like, if you don't fail on tour, if you don't fail in a band, if you don't fail with (laughs) with with dealing with the business in some way, then how are you going to know to to succeed? How are you going to know how to how to make it work? And if it just works right out the gate, you're not going to know how to recreate that because it'll be like magic, you know. Yeah, I feel like the mo- the most successful musicians I-, I know are the ones that failed and they just kept trying. Right. You know, they didn't just sit back and go, "Oh, well, I guess this didn't work." Next, you know, they yeah. just were like, "Well, I'm gonna let's let's recreate the wheel," you know. Yeah. Like, and that was the thing, I like, think. Yeah, I think a big part of not feeding the trolls though is asking yourself the tough questions like, "Do I really want to do this thing?" Uh, it, it takes, takes a, lot a lot of self-awareness, self-awareness and understanding of like, do I want to play the same song over and over again a thousand times for the next three years? Right. Do I want to do that? Well, how do you even if know you, if yeah. you want to unless you do it? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's that's also true. I think the trolls in us, we, they, they kind of tend to nitpick and make us hate things when we're not doing the thing we want to do. Right. Even if they pay you ten grand a night to sit there and play an hour and a half set, you're gonna after if, a if month you you're gonna be like, if I you hate don't this. like having calluses on your hands and knuckles, uh, <laughs> maybe you shouldn't be a drummer. <laughs> no, but like, dude, that again, that goes back. But this is why I love touring so much because now it's like it's not like a because um, you know you you go play the same songs, you meet you meet the fans, and like you're super grateful you're be on the road. But like the whole reason why I like touring is because of the different experiences I'm gonna like provide myself, like. Yeah. Like putting yourself out there. I think, God, man, I think on that tour that we did 10 years ago, we must have gone out like every single night. Oh, yeah. All we, the like, bands. We stayed, all in the, the we stayed in the hotel rooms together. We like oh, we yeah. totally traveled. It was caravan style. Oh, yeah. We just like, because again, we, this is the whole old school mentality of like how music, and this is where I came from, was like a camaraderie. It wasn't right. a competition. It was oh, like, we, we would like circle the wagons in Walmart parking lots, turn, yeah. over, turn over a shopping cart and like grill in the middle of it. <laughs> Like those are the experiences I want, not like the fucking like, oh man, we got to like drive to the city and then we we're gonna play the show right. and then like it's gonna be cool and then whatever. No, it's like fuck that, man. Like I'm on the road, I'm experiencing everything in America. Like, oh, it's great, it's great yeah. in your early twenties to do that. Like I don't, I wouldn't give that experience back. But I'm just totally. saying, you meet so many older guys in bands that are like 38 and they're just like miserable because. This is all they can do. It's all they've ever done. Well, because it's, and you're just like because it's full time you know. too. It's, it's not a sustainable. I mean, not everyone. I can do it for a little bit. You know, I like you yeah. know, going out for two weeks. I mean, I I really like that. But you know, if it's a six week tour, by about week four or five, I start getting the road madness. <laughs> yeah. So it's just about custom tailoring whatever your needs are, and especially if you have a family at home like Nate and I do. You know, yeah. be, being able to go out just for a little bit. But the thing is, there was this all or nothing thing back in our scene back in the day. It was like, no, you have to tour 10 months out of the year or else you can't do this. Dude, totally. That's where, that's where I was for sure. Yeah. It was and like, yeah. And it, now there's so many more options, like you said, like custom tailoring your own career so that you can su- be sustainable is, is an option what? these days. Totally. But I mean, I like, I gotta, there's bands yeah. out there like, um, like Less Than Jake, for example, right? The dr- I always go back to them for some reason. But like the drummer from that band, decided okay we have like a shit ton of fans like all over the world 
what more like I'm just I'm just trying to get in the mind of Vinny, but like I'm I'm thinking from a drummer aspect, it's like okay, we have a ton of fans all over the world. What more could I be doing to make this career exciting for me? You know, because he's one of those like lifelong players too, where it's right. like he's not in it just for like himself. He's in it for a whole community of people. Like he started a label, you right. know, back then when like music, when that like would have made sense, you know. Right. And then he got to put out his own records right. on his terms. But then like then it started getting corporate because like some bands started to make money, and then like fuel by signed like some like pretty crappy bands and then Vinny was like i'm out right <laughs> you know and so that's when it that's when it didn't become fun for him anymore i'm right. assuming and and then he started his his own new label and then he signs punk bands because so that's what he, he started fuel by ramen and then what was his new what's his new label uh paper and plastic okay cool and so they put out they put out like obscure like punk punk rock stuff there you go out, like, i mean the guy just the has gamuts or yeah. yeah he's got this diversify you know ch- like just constantly going grinding to doing doing something new i think that's totally comes back down to mentality that's what you have that's what a lot of successful musicians have and i think it's something that i don't even know you have to develop it but you also sort of have to be born with it maybe (laughs) totally what's what's unique in my position though is that like with with fall like with the band falling in reverse is that i'm a drummer i'm not even a singer i'm not the front man i'm not and you know what i mean like like my my singer's the one on the magazine covers. They're they're screaming his name, Ronnie, right, like behind right. backstage and everything. And so like when you're in a band, when you're in a band like that, it's like it's like okay, the band's really like the band's doing pretty well, you know. Like what what more could I be doing because I've I've built my name up for myself for so many years to right. get to this spot. Like what more could I pop? Even if I'm failing at it, or right. if I'm like learning something or succeeding it's like what more could i be doing to help out myself my community right you know make people aware of just Take like some risks yeah yeah you know but so hey like yeah what's up are you gonna come to brazil <laughs> <laughs> Dude, i think i think you're gonna i've already been there twice this year but yes well, Ryan, uh, uh yeah take us to brazil but we, i think we gotta wrap, <laughs> i think we gotta wrap it up um you've been awesome man uh i want i want to sh- share with people if they want to go to yeah. thinktei.com they can check out one of your workshops on Warp Tour this year and also Falling in Reverse. I imagine Absolutely. is playing. Are you guys main staging it? We're main staging it. And Dude. we're on a stage with like everybody that's awesome. Oh, that's sweet. So I'm really stoked. Yeah, so if you're listening to this and you wanna you wanna know how to make it in the music industry, Ryan's gonna be doing workshops on Warp Tour this year if you wanna go check that out at thinktei.com. Thank you so much, Ryan Seaman, our good pal. Dude, I love you guys. And what a what Nate, what a pleasant surprise! I had no idea you were going to be on the call today. <laughs> oh, rad! Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just hanging out. Oh, yeah. Final note: I just want to say is if, if like just to anybody that's listening, is that like you want to st- like if you're starting a band, I would start somewhere where like there isn't a whole lot going on. Right. I'm dead serious. You know right. where and you create your own destiny. Right. You know, and it takes years, and it's not for everybody. And that's you most know? places. So you're in luck. If you, yeah. if you live in some place, it's probably not the place to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you're in like luck. Nashville, terrible idea. Yeah. Musician yeah, exactly. You know, like that. Yeah. That's a singer, yeah. that's a singer oh, yeah. songwriter town. Right. Like if, right. if you want to talk, uh, Alabama, even worse idea because they probably don't listen to like rock music. But right. like, if you're in a place that's like oppressed, like Salt Lake City, maybe that's a place to try things sure. out. Bible Belt, man, hit it up. Yeah, that too. <laughs> so God. Matt, I want to call you after this, man, but Dude, I know you got stuff to do. I'm going to, yeah, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom and uh, then we can chat some more. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. I'd love to just hang out. Yeah, thanks, time, Ryan. So. Cool. Th- thank you, Ryan. You've been awesome, dude. Love it. All right. I'll see you guys soon. All right. Bye.